Hello, and welcome to Enzo's Theater of the World. I'm your host, Enzo Kunanen. And I'm Ethan. And today we're going to be talking about pseudo-archaeology. So today we're going to be talking about pseudo-archaeology. And so what is that? It's what it sounds like. It's archaeology, but it's not actually proper archaeology. So it's like conspiracy theories and that sort of stuff. Uh, Wikipedia defines it as interpretations of the past from outside of the archaeological community, which reject accepted data gathering and analytical methods of the discipline. So basically, this is sort of like the kooky stuff that's on the fringe. Uh, and there's three main characteristics that Wikipedia lists. And I'm sorry, I'm just going... Wikipedia is sort of structuring this, but like I'm going to focus in on some ones which I think are very interesting. Uh, there's three main characteristics. The lack of a scientific method, so they usually decide on the conclusion beforehand, and then they like work from that it's kind with of the like data. Theology. That's so mean. The no, theology is literally... not meant to be scientific. It's supposed to be... That's fair. At least that one, it's clearly not scientific. Opposition, this is supposed to be Opposition science. to the archaeological establishment and a sort of, uh, what do you call it, persecuting... Persec- a persecutionist mindset. It's like, oh, we're being oppressed. The, the the big archaeology doesn't want us to find you to find out the truth, which is you know absurd Stupid because because they are, they're struggling for grant money constantly. So how have you heard about how much UK universities charge? I have no idea. You, you, I bet you haven't heard about this because it's not in the news. But lots of UK universities are literally getting rid of their archaeology departments. It's very sad. Also, I have to appreciate. Um, some of the uh, alternate names given on the article, uh, such as Fantastic Archaeology and Spooky Archaeology. Ooh. And there's also nationalist-religious motivations, which can be very, uh, which are very strong drivers of emotion in people. And so it's understandable that this is why, why it would drive people to sort of think, uh, interpret evidence in ways which don't make sense to, you know, ordinary people. And so... Let's just go through some of them. So the first uh, set of theories I want to talk about is sort of called British Israelitism. And you'll see that this is one in many uh, sort of very racist theories, because racism is also, I would argue, a fourth component of a lot of pseudo-archaeology. And so British Israelites uh, believe that the re- that that the ten lost tribes of Israel, instead of, as the Bible says, being deported by King Shalmaneser, by King uh, Sargon II of Assyria to the lands of the Medes in modern-day Iran and also Mesopotamia, instead of that, which the Bible says, the ten lost tribes of Israel supposedly escaped there, and they went up through Russia into the north, and they went into Western Europe, and then they became the ancestor of uh, not only the people of the British Isles, definitely, but also some argue... Uh, all the other Anglo-Saxon folks and the German Germanic peoples. So, uh, yeah. So they claim that the Brit- the people of the British Isles are genetically are quote unquote genetically, racially, and linguistically the direct descendants of these ten lost tribes of Israel. And so, are they also argue that a lot lot of modern day Jews are not in fact are not in fact are not in fact the real quote unquote Jews at all, which is just it's very anti-semitic i i I can't hide it it's it's this they they claim also that the british throne is a continuation of the davidic line which again you know you can tell this was made up by a bunch of weird a bunch of weird british nationalists who decided that they wanted to claim descent from the jews you know it's not it's 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 frankly disgusting and it's 
You know, it's weird too. It's that it's kind of a weird hill to die on. I mean, right? Yeah, like, I guess. you've been doing just fine for years, establishing your racial superiority without the involvement of being an Israelite, and now you want to like claim the identity of a people who throughout the Bible were consistently screwing up. That's kind of weird. Well, no, but that's what's sort of... I don't want to say heartwarming about them, but, you know, it's like... It's saying it's, like, not really a people you want to mimic, right? I guess. It's it's not it's not great. It's it's actually... It's, it's actually I feel horrible. like there were better people. In Fortunately, not a lot of people believe in this right now, but I do remember I came across some British-Israelite material when I was, like, a child. It's kind of a thing, um... Among, you know, like, Hoteps? Oh, uh, yeah. It's um, the same oh, thing, but, like, we'll the African people are the we'll get real Israelites. So, there's also some other stuff. So, like, religious... There's religious motive... The, speaking of religious motivation behind religious... Behind pseudo-archaeology, there's a whole host of uh, claims that people have... By people that they found, like, Noah's Ark in Armenia, and, like, it's always not true, because, you know, they just point to some planks of wood, and they're like, this is Noah's Ark, and I'm like... How though? How how do you know? And I think um, this is one thing that um, is common. They kind of uh, they decide they, they that use... Noah's Ark is mm-hmm. real, and then they yeah are like, well, how do we? They they believe that something being possible is the same thing as proving it's true. You know what I mean? Like they'll they'll put this sentence saying this means that it could be true, therefore it is, and it's like, well, no, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not how that works. There's also some, uh, there's actually a, a sort of subcategory of pseudo-archaeology called uparts, or out-of-place artifacts, which uh, are sort of artifacts that don't look like they should be there. And so then what pseudo-archaeologists do, especially on the History Channel, is they will uh, list and describe these uparts and then be like, and then be like hmm? draw your own conclusions and i'm like well that's not so so for instance there, there are some unusual artifacts in the world like there was the antikythera mechanism which is a, it is the oldest example of an analog computer which was made sometime between 150 and 100 bc which literally had gears and could predict astronomical positions and eclipses decades in advance and track the olympiads and stuff however we know we like we can trace how this was descended from ancient greek technology and beliefs, primarily because it still relied on the idea that the Earth was at the center of the universe, so it's not, like, too yeah. big of a leap you forward. You know, if aliens were making it, I think they'd make it correct, is the thing, right? Yeah. Similar, th- th- there's some other things. So, like, for instance, the this isn't an artifact, but it's a relief in a temple in Egypt called, in the city of Dendera, and it's supposedly, what do you see here? Uh, okay, so it's very clearly a flower and then, like, a snake shooting out of it? Yeah, Wikipedia and modern archaeologists described it as the god Horus in the form of a snake emerging from a lotus flower, and that, yeah, and, yeah. Well, what they see, and you can look this if you want, it's called Dendera light. Um, Pseudo-archaeologists see claim, a light bulb. Yeah, it's, which, here's the thing, it only works as such if you look at it from far away, because... If you actually zoom in, that you can is see clearly. the petals of a flower and the distinct face of a snake. So it's very clearly not, otherwise there wouldn't be such a face, but, you know, pseudo-archaeologists really don't like to look at things too close. There's also, similarly, there are some other stuff like the Saqqara bird, and again, you'll notice a lot of these are from ancient Egypt, and we'll get to the end about why none of these seem to be from ancient Greece. And supposedly... 
How is that a glider? It's very clearly a bird. You can see an eyes and a beak. Oh no, it looks like a bird, but that's not a bird tail. So it's that a just plain means tail. it's stylized. This is a very weak argument from studio archaeologists. Either that or it's a toy that's supposed to glide. Similarly, there are also, you may know this, these are the stone spheres of Costa Rica. They're just a bunch of big balls made of stone, weighing a bunch of tons. And so people are like, how could they make them? And also, they're so perfectly round. Even though they're not. They're, they're, they're not. They, they do look round, but, you know. It's only round enough to look perfect, and it's not accurate. Like, here's the thing. You can make, like, all you have to do really is make a rough carving of it and then sand it down, right? Like, I I don't know, when whenever you see something that looks too perfect to be handmade, just take a look and see, and it probably isn't perfect. That's the thing. In fact, some oop arts are, in fact, just incredibly, are just fake. The Ica stones, which were found in Peru, were supposedly a collection or, or a collection of stones which have engravings on them of like dinosaurs and advanced technology and like maps of the world and like ain't and like open heart surgery. And they were founded by a native dude, and they and he was like, "Look, look, uh, this was made by an advanced civilization." Um, and, and then it turned out later he was just lying. He apparently produced a patina by baking the stones in cow dung. And then, he, yeah, and then he actually created those carvings. Had, at least he had, like, he, he sold put that off. He put that in mind. Like, oh, yeah, I can't just carve it. I actually have to give it a patent. To this day, young Earth creationists, a.k.a. people who believe the Earth was created 6,000 years ago by God in seven days, literally, continue to believe the Ica stones are real, which, I don't no. know. But, Didn't the guy admit that he made them up? Yeah, but also, additionally, the dinosaurs are pretty obviously sort of the ones you'd see. These recon- these constructions of dinosaurs are very much like the ones you see in 60s kids' books. Okay, come on. That this T-Rex, literally that not... T-Rex is standing way too upright like a kangaroo. It should be, it should be horizontal, not yeah, vertical. Yeah, you know, if they had actually gone back in time and seen them. Yeah, also, why, why would a civilization which was doing open-heart surgery be carving on rocks? Yeah, that's, that's... No one explained that. And well, it could just be their fake. Tra- a traditional form of art. That's true, that's true. Uh, but I mean, it, you, we still do physical paintings in the modern world, but so... But it's kind of moot anyway, because it's fake. So, sometimes archaeologists engage in outright fraud, and so this is a very funny scandal. It's the Japanese Paleolithic hoax. There's a dude named Shinichi Fujimura, or Fujimura Shinichi, depending on who you ask, uh... People, some people called him, said he had a divine hand because whenever he was there, he he would just find lots of old artifacts, older than anyone expected, in fact. And so he, everyone was like, "Wow, wow!" And then they found out in two thousand, uh, they caught him in the middle of planting some artifacts, which he would later dig up because because he, he was claiming these artifacts were like three hundred thousand years old and like they were which would make japan like older artifacts than china for prehistoric humans no oh, seven hundred thousand bc that's why seven hundred thousand bc it, uh, just to get over china yeah and not, not only china but like just japan yeah anywhere else in asia so the paleolithic starts at anywhere else and so that's a weird flex to brag on though yeah, and so, yeah, he was disgraced, and so... Like, I yeah, don't really care about great. the Paleolithic accomplishments of your country. No, but it's like, where you've been more advanced than you forever. Yeah, and then you slowed down, and we caught up, and now we're past you, That's so. true, that's not a great... Right, like, I'm not... I don't care what your, like, ants... What your, like, prehistoric ancestors did. I don't care. 
some of this isn't so the, uh, in my research there, I found a lot of stuff which isn't technically pseudo archaeology it's just pseudo history and I'm not going to include that as and I'm not going to include ancient aliens in here too because I think both of those deserve their own episodes and it's also like a like you know it already you don't need to be told but I will recall a funny tale um it was the hydrocephaly one. No, so they, yeah. They found a... Um... Back in the... Like, in 1999, they found a skull. Oh, they, it, they, some dude was given... Some paranormal investigator was given a skull by a couple. And he, and he and he was like, Oh, this skull is the hybrid offspring of a alien male and a human female. Look at it. It's weird. It's like a, It's got a big, big cranium. Then it turned out that it was like a child with hydrocephaly. Probably so you, a native child, in fact. You had, yeah, so just imagine this. Was this on um, Ancient Aliens or no? It was on Ancient Aliens. Yeah, they literally, they they were like, made this whole episode about how it could be an I alien I don't know if it, they made hybrid. an entire episode, but it was definitely on Ancient Aliens. It's hybrid, and then they take it to like a doctor and it's like, uh, no, this is just like a, a an infant with hydrocephaly. And then he's like, like well, why are you doing this? Yeah, it's also a Native American child, so it's not great. Yeah, I feel like it's so messed up. Like, imagine realizing that this whole episode you've just been calling, like, a kid with hydrocephaly an alien. Yeah, it's, yeah, and and, and uh, this will bring us to one of the, sort of, the crux of what pseudo-archaeology is often driven by, and the, it's, it's racism a lot of the time. People... A lot of the pseudo-archaeology stuff is centered around Africa, Asia, and the Americas. Never in Europe, except sometimes. Sometimes they sometimes, use Stone that's Age. that's one. Yeah, but that's also... That's the one thing. Yeah, but that seems to be mostly out of cynicism. Most of the time, when it comes to pseudo-archaeology, it is in sort yeah. of POC places. I think it's places. generally an attitude towards, quote-unquote, uncivilizing. That's why... That's why Stonehenge gets lumped in, because it's before yeah, England they, was, quote-unquote, yeah. civilized, so... Yeah, so similar... Like, um, the... the was Is it the mounds in Pueblo or somewhere else that they were? Uh, I don't remember. But so, basically, um, you know, like, the mound building cultures in... Oh, no, no, I can, I can do this. Yeah. So the mound builders were, um... So there's these mounds in the Midwest. Big mounds, like in Cahokia and, and, and it's Monk's what, Mound. It's what it sounds like. It's a... It's a very big man-made hill. I mean, don't get me wrong. Though, there, those are tons of earth you have to move and it's really, with hand tools. And you have to move those long distances and make but, like, shapes... I, it's a bit foolish to think that only the most civilized people could make uh, a mound. You know, Big except, mound. Except, of course, if you're a pseudo-archaeologist, in which case, this is a completely valid idea, because only a white person or an alien could have built that. Back in the 1800s, there was a popular theory that either the Lost Tribes of Israel had wandered over to the Americas and built the mounds, or maybe, uh, like, mysterious white people, uh... People actually thought that they might have been built by a race of giants, which was stupid because as hell. Because, God forbid, uh, a Native American people actually built something cool. Yeah, the the, the Book of Mormon, um, and I'm, I'm so sorry to any Mormon listeners, but we do have to talk about this. Uh, it's not about your beliefs, it's about... It's about, it's it's about, about the, the factual information in the Book of Mormon itself. And I will, we will concede we'll that there's also, um... Don't get me wrong, there is... There's factual misinformation in the Bible itself, too. And there Don't is also archaeo- And there's also uh, a lot of Mormon archaeologists who, are, who do have arguments against what we're about to say, but, like, 
most most people. Okay, so the Book of Mormon claims, in short, that the that from what I can tell, and I'm so sorry, please correct us on Mormon theology if we're wrong. So the the Mormon story. So like in 2600 BC or so. People, some Jews fleeing the Tower of Babel, well, not Jews, because Abraham wasn't born yet. Some people fleeing the Tower of Babel, known as the Jaredites, went over to the New World, and they were the first people to colonize it. And then, in 587 BC, at the fall of Jerusalem, a bunch of Jews, guided by a miraculous compass known as the Liahona, fled, um, so, I don't want to say fled, fled Jerusalem, and then they sailed to the New World, and they landed somewhere in the New World, somewhere between upstate New York and all of Mesoamerica, and no one is quite sure because the directions are so vague. And so then they started building these big civilizations with the Nephites, and they divided it into two groups, the Nephites, who are described as pale-skinned and godly and and righteous, and the, and the Lamanites, who are described as red-skinned and... Uh, and wicked and and sinful, and the Lamanites eventually destroy the Nephites, but not before Mormon, the upon who the book is named after, and his son write write down the history of their people on a bunch of golden tablets with three uh, rings. If three, it's sort of like a note. It's sort of like a a a, a like. A what do you call it? A three ring notebook three ring binder kind of. Yeah, it's 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 strange. It's like it's it's not something you'd expect to find in five eighty seven BC. But, but you, you, let's give them the benefit you could, of that. You, that is impossible to make. You could all you you could say that that is miraculous, and that's fine. What you can't, and what many, and the, the reason why nearly every uh, non Mormon scholar believes that the Book of Mormon, uh, the Smithsonian Natural Geographic is unaware, they, they're they not, they do not believe in the historical fact, uh, the historical truth of the Book of Mormon. And so, just, Wikipedia has a very handy list of anachronisms, once again, and it says that, well, let's just list some of them, okay? Because the Book of Mormon mentions uh, several, several, quote-unquote, several animals, plants, and technologies that are not substantiated by the archaeological record before Columbus. Uh, so namely, cattle, cows, sheep, goats, swine, barley, wheat, silk, chariots, wheeled vehicles, horses, iron and steel, metal swords, scimitars, uh, now, does windows. Now, does it claim that they were already elephants. there or that they brought them there? Oh, no, it claims they were already there. They were being used for, f- they were being used for food and fed and prepared and conjunct with chariots. Maybe them all uh, once. Well, there's no were... evidence of that. There's no evidence of... No, no, like, he, he, you know, like, smited them. Needless to say, there. this is not really... Also, they... Also, like, not even to get into... Yeah, so it's... Yeah, so wheat, barley, silk, chains, breastplates, iron working. Also, it claims that there were all these big battles, which took place up and down the countryside, which, like, no one... There's, there's no evidence of that. And so, you can be like, oh, you know, this is just innocuous, and so you take a look at the the actual intellectual background of like the mound builders and sort of this thing though and you begin to see that the mound the book of mormon is very much influenced by this intellectual background so the the jaredites who initially come to the the new world before the jews uh build magnificent cities which are destroyed by warfare and so you know that is a echo of the mound builders and so similarly um, there's this, it, it, there's a sort of, um, it's, it's, it's sort of problematic, I think, to assume that the Native Americans 
aren't didn't come here on their own and were instead they came from the outside because then you get to, and also the, the the stuff with the Lamanites it's incredibly problematic and you get to say stuff and no matter what way you slice it like oh you know it was it's there there isn't that much of a racial element well clearly they they thought there was in the 1800s when this was when when this was when this first came out and was uh, revealed to the public and so it's 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 not it's not great and i would argue in fact that that joseph smith was playing into a sort of pseudo archaeology driven by racism that argued that native americans could not be capable of building such advanced things as a 300 foot long serpent mound in ohio which is absurd frankly um so that's my rant about racism. Like they had cities is the thing. Yeah, no, they didn't think they had big cities. They were they were just like, oh, why did we never see them? And I'm uh, like, you guys did see them when the Aztec when you guys murdered all the Aztecs. Well, they were like, that's different. So like, how is it different? Yeah, so it's not good. If there were cities there, but they might be other places. So there's also some uh, interest. So speaking of Native Americans, uh, lots of people for some reason are very eager to argue that the the your that Europeans came to the New World before Columbus or even the Vikings. And so there's like two proven contexts before Columbus, the Norse who obviously colonized Newfoundland, and possibly some Polynesians who may or may not have introduced the sweet potatoes, some chickens, possibly and some canoes and some words for axes which are related to each other. Uh, this, the sweet potato one is apparently the most valid, although some people think that the sweet potato literally just floated across the Pacific Ocean, which... Well, they claim there's evidence, and I looked, and they had an entire article in the journal, and I'm like, well... Didn't something similar happen with, like, coconuts? That's probably true, but, like... So, and it could have... Or, yeah, it could have been floated after being discarded. Is it possible? Yes. Do I think it's likely? I don't know how likely that is, but it did. they did have thousands of years in which to do it, so, like, I'm not discounting Can it. Can I see the claims of African contact? Okay, yeah, so there's a bunch of different claims here. So... Some like people, one that remind is like the old mech thing. Yeah, the pre the really pre the, up on that. The pre there are a bunch of pseudo archaeological claims for who got to the New World first, or even who got to the New World before Columbus, including Chinese people, Japanese people, Indian people, African people, Arab people, Phoenicians, Jews, French cavemen, uh, ancient Romans, ancient really Greeks, hung Irish up on people, here before Irish people, Welsh people, Egyptians, Icelandic people. You know, it's. And, of course, the old Book of Mormon thing where the Jews immigrate to the Americas. And so, specifically, we want to touch on Africa. And so, like, there was a dude named Ivan Van Sertima who wrote a book in 1976 called They Came Before Columbus. And he speculated about African influence in Mesoamerican and specifically Olmec culture because the bi- Olmecs are known for their big stone heads. And he argued that they have big lips and kind of, like, wide the, noses. Yeah, the that nose. Enough, they are African. I mean, this can be disproven by taking a look at any person from around the area, and you like. Realize... I don't know if you know this, but um, a lot of people have a lot of people have are genetically disposed to wide lips and wide noses. That this is not an African thing only. He also he, he does assert that it happened likely happened more than once because he claims there's numerous ways it could have happened, and I'm like, yeah, it could have happened. That doesn't mean it did happen. Wait, is certain well, um like he looked really light skinned. <laughs> Uh, portrait. 
He's not. He's. I, I think it's just the he, lighting. Oh no, he's he, he's born in. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, no. He he is he is black. The, we're not trying to cast aspersions. It's it's him. a particular. It's not a great photo of him. The he was Wikipedia. light skinned. He was light skinned, but like it's, it's so washed out in the Wikipedia page. Yeah. So uh, there's some there's some it's, other ones it's like not just white people ro- trying to adopt trying to appropriate Native American history. Yes. everyone's in it. So there's an amusing claim where they found some in the nineties. They found some, was it the nineties? In the seventies, they found the presence of fragments of tobacco leaves in the mummy of Ramses the Great, and they were like, "OMG, this must be proof of contact between the New World and ancient Egypt." However, it has been noted that when the mummy was unwrapped first in 1886, the abdomen was left open, and so. Literally anyone could have dropped it in there, including, I suppose, a smoking Victorian's ge- Victorian gentleman. Yeah, and everyone was doing tobacco, and nobody had any um, any standards on how to not contaminate artifacts, so... Some, one Egyptian priestess named Henutawi was found to have traces of coca and nicotine on her, and so some people, and so the German, the people, the researchers were like, well, clearly this is proof. Although, I... Tend to, and I'm so sorry if you're listening to this German researchers, but also like maybe look inside yourself. Is it possible that they were just doing cocaine and they didn't clean up as thoroughly? What year as they was thought? this? Um, this was who the nineties? Nineties, yeah, of course they were doing it. Yeah, and that sounds. Uh, I mean, everyone is doing it. Come on, not I'm not going to. Cocaine is the like elite drug of. Cocaine is the number one drug of all academics. So maybe th- Adderall, actually. So there's also some fun. Uh, there, there, there's some actually really fun uh, stuff about lost continents where, Think like, like Atlantis. Yeah, basically but, stuff that's it was there and now it's not. But also it's like cousins Mu and Lemuria. So Atlantis, you all know the story. I'm not going to say it again. Um, Big but, island, then it sinks. Well you, well, you just said it again. That's not... We shouldn't have said it. And so, there's a bunch of hypotheses for where it is. And so, since arche- so we don't have any writings from Atlantis, because it didn't exist, uh, pseudo-archaeologists have been excavating all across the world, and or just theorizing to try and figure out where it I came from. I imagine it's not too difficult it's, now, because you could really just um, take look like search up a map of what like the sea levels were before they mm-hmm. rose a bit, and then you can be, oh, okay... Uh, around here, this was still up. Okay, it's here. Then pinpoint the map. Thanks to Google, it's never been easier to make your own new fringe hypothesis on Atlantis. So, Plato is actually kind of descriptive of Atlantis, which some people are like, oh, this is proof. And I'm like, no, it's not. But there, the, there, you can't, you can't, Atlantis, can't, you can't take Plato's, like, information for... Atlantis is introduced in Grammy. Plato's dialogue, the Timaeus, which, wh- wh- where he claims to quote the Greek philosopher Solon, who visited Egypt, supposedly, and supposedly l- heard this from an Egyptian priest n- who may not even have existed in real life. Mind you, Plato is writing this, like, 200 years after And the supposedly, fact. the Atl- Atlantis sunk 9,000 years before Solon, which is absurd considering there was no agriculture in most of Europe at the time so the story about the Atlanteans facing off against proto-Athenians is complete nonsense therefore because they couldn't have formed a city-state because they didn't have farms uh Atlantis is described it's 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 circular with like these concentric rings and additionally it's also like it's to the west of Spain 
and it's larger than Libya, which is North Africa in in at Asia, which presumably if the smallest it could be is like Asia Minor. So bigger than North Africa and and Asia Minor combined. Okay. So where do people think Atlantis is? They think it is in the Aegean Sea and the island of Pharos, or possibly Thera, or maybe near Cyprus, or maybe near Sardinia, or maybe it is Sardinia, or maybe Malta, or maybe it's in Troy, or maybe it's in Turkey, or maybe it's in the Black Sea, and and when it sunk, it caused the the Mesopotamian flood, which caught which caused the Noah's flood story, or maybe it's in Andalusia, or maybe it's in Morocco, or maybe it's in the middle of the Sahara for some reason, or maybe it's in the Azores, or maybe it's in the Canary Islands, or Madeira, or Cape Verde, or northern Spain, or the Irish Sea, or Great Britain, where they also think Troy might be for some reason, and because like I guess the Trojan War took place between Celts, and also maybe it was in Ireland or the North Sea or Denmark or Finland or Sweden or maybe in the Americas or maybe it was the Americas or maybe it was Antarctica or maybe it was the North Pole where, according to a weirdo named William Warren in the 1800s, so too was the Garden of Eden, Mount Maru, Avalon, and Hyperborea. What the hell? Genuinely, what the hell? No, that's a lot of effort to prove something that... And I think you could... If there's that many theories, you should probably look at something else because it's not cool anymore. You're lame for doing this. Yeah, also, I don't get the one where it's in the middle of the Sahara. Like, huh? Well, no, that one's for clickbaits. That's so you can fund your actual theory. Yeah, so Wikipedia has a funny image of hypothesized locations of Atlantis, and if, you, if you'll notice, they are nowhere near each other. And, in fact, most of them don't even, like, match the description. So, like, I... I guess Plato was wrong, but in that case, why would you trust him that Atlantis exists? Yeah, they're very selective, so they're like, oh, Plato was wrong on this detail, but don't get us wrong, Atlantis still existed, and I'm like, how am I supposed to believe you? So, and also, if it's that far away, it's not really Atlantis, is it? Yeah, so, Atlantis, contrary to a lot of ancient aliens, BS, was not initially considered more advanced in technology, it, it was just a very prosperous civilization. But then along came a dude named Ignatius Donnelly, who was a failed congressional candidate, who is now more known for his uh, fringe theories concerning Atlantis. And, hey, you gotta uh, get rid of that reputation somehow. And he wrote a book called Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, and he suggested that all ancient civilizations were derived from Atlantis, including Egypt and the Phoenicians and the Greeks and the Scandinavians and the Peruvians and the... It's, it just go on and on. I would have just... And, Atla- and Atlantis developed, invented the alphabet and bronze and iron and supposedly um, Atlantis was also the f- home of the Indo-Europeans and possibly and the Sem- Semites and possibly all the Turkic peoples and uh, like it's absurd. And also it was the home of the Garden of Eden and Mount Olympus now, and Asgard. Now something that you should know. Um, it's thir- trying to prove 13 distinct hypotheses in one book is not a good idea. Also, especially if none of them are correct. I'm, I'm Try really, one first and then write more books. Okay? I'm really uh, sort of scathing towards this, but that's because I I don't feel I should respect... I, I, I don't think any respect is due, owed to a bunch of theories which seek to strip away the cultural identity of POC and other margin, and, and, and mother, marginalized groups. I don't think that's... That one wasn't even... That was, like, literally everybody. Okay, that's true, but... Yeah, so there's also other lost continents out there. So, like, supposedly Mu, which is a lost continent somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. And it was introduced by a dude named Augustus Plongion, Le Plongion, 
what he was he, he wasn't french he was british american and he studied mayan ruins and he supposedly deciphered the mayan hieroglyphics spoiler alert he didn't but he thought he deciphered the mayan glyphs and thought that he that there was a land called Mu, ruled by a queen known as Mu, and... <laughs> and now here's something you should probably know, um, that we've only really, like, if you're trying to decode something, just know that there was, like, only one time we decoded a lost language, and it was because there were two languages we knew on the same rock, so... Yeah, there's a whole, like, this whole, like, lore behind Mu, which is, which is like, Atlantis, but in the Pacific Ocean, and You better. know, you could have just written a fiction book. Yeah, they were like, oh, blah, 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 superior, scale. You could have just written a fiction it's, book, it's a, it's a lot. I, I can't. It's... Supposedly, the Garden of Eden oh. here was here too. And then which... there's um, this isn't like a like a a fake island thing, but it was like you know the the guy who thought he was finding Troy, and then Heinrich Schliemann. Yeah, Heinrich <laughs> Schliemann. We talked about him in like a history class sometime. What it, he he discovered something actually. What was it again? Uh, uh, the 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 rich the tre the the the, the prime's treasure. Yeah, he the thought one it where. Was. No, he thought it was, but it turned out to be from, like, 2000 BC, and he, like, put it on his wife, and the... Yeah. The, that's I more pseudo-history. Not pseudo That is pseudo-archaeology. Yeah, you it is, because you're, you're messing around with artifacts. Yeah, it's not This great. was back before um there were any standards and any rich schmuck with, like, enough dynamite. Uh, could just waltz really anywhere and blow stuff up. Mm -hmm. uh, brushes to delicately um, push away dirt. We don't need that. When we can simply explode the landscape and then put the artifacts on my wife. Similarly, there was a outright hoax, and so at least Schliemann was uncovering genuine artifacts. Although some people think that the so-called Mask of Agamemnon he made uh, is not in fact the Mask of Agamemnon or of any Mycenaean king because of the mustache, and I'm not joking on that. Uh, there is another archaeological fraud out there, pseudo-archaeology again which was called the Piltdown Man. So in 1912, they found the missing link between ape and man, and they found a jawbone and some skull fragments, and then when they assembled it, they found it was a dude with a big brain. It, it was a skull with a big brain, uh, well, well, only two-thirds out of a modern human, and a ape-like jawbone. In fact, it was indistinguishable from that of a young chimpanzee. Mm. Indistinguishable, you say? And so people back then thought that human evolution began with the brain. At least in England, because they were like, "Well, it would be it would be horrifying if 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 we started walking upright and then only developed the brain." And so they were like, "Oh no, we must. Uh, this must be the missing link." And so they called it Eoanthropus Dawsoni or Dawson's Dawn Man, because it's like the dawn of man. And so the. And so, th there were a number of reasons why the British were so keen on accepting this. One of them was because the French had found the French had found the German wait the French the French had found in Java they had found Java Man Homo erectus so th and also some finds at home a lot of stone tools and I don't know if cave yeah cave paintings also and so. Similarly, in Germany, that's where Neanderthal was for, man was first found, and so there was a lot of stuff there. And so the British didn't really have any paleoanthropological um, discoveries. And so, you know, Char once Charles Dawson fakes uh, this Piltdown man, they're like, oh, it must be real. And when even when there's a dude named Raymond Dart in the 1930s who was working in South Africa, and he's like, hey, guys, I have the remains of a young 
uh, ape-like creature, but it so it would have walked upright. I, I'm going to call it Australopithecus africanus, and they're like, oh no, that's impossible because we couldn't have come from Africa because uh, its speed raises BS here. So it's not great. Uh, it turned out later in the 1950s when they. I don't invent- really understand that claim because that if if you're going to hold a racist opinion that people from Africa are quote unquote lesser. Does it make more sense to go from lesser and then develop into greater? No, but that would like... mean that we're descended. They're descended from Africans, which they wouldn't want. So they were like, "Oh, it has to be somewhere in Asia." I still feel like that doesn't. Well, it kind of does because it puts it doesn't put any shame on you. I would also argue that racist people are not exactly going to be rational. Okay, but they're putting a lot of effort into studying archaeology just to mess things up. So. Piltdown Man actually uh, persevered for forty year, f- over just over forty years before they invented carbon dating and found out that uh, the 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 skull, the mandible, and the teeth belong to an orangutan, and then the cranium belonged to a fully developed, although small-brained, modern human. You know what that means. They probably robbed the grave of like some disabled person. I think it was thought it was found out to be medieval, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, the skull was medievalized, and the orangutan and chimpanzee. Ah, uh, good for them. They have a little more morals than I thought they would, because you know it's they robbed it was, a centuries it's like, old grave. It's not great. It's nineteen twelve Britain. I thought they were just going to like steal some mental patient I, I, skull. I think they outlawed grave robbing by then. It was a whole thing with the Birkin hair situation. Uh, but yeah, so. There's so in addition to all of that, there's one final piece of pseudoarchaeology I want you to I want to talk about, and it is called fingerprints of the, well actually, yeah no fingerprints of the gods, and I'm sorry that we there's so much stuff we haven't talked about like the Nazca lines and like Easter Island and stuff, but like but also, to summarize it, a lot um, of that, archaeologists ha- like real ones have already them, figured out ways that they could have done that without a, aliens, and a lot of them like are tied to ancient aliens anyway. So I feel like we're going to have to talk about that. Yeah, somewhat. but in essence, there's usually an explanation for how they could have done it with primitive technology. Yeah, so there's a dude named Graham Hancock, and he has wrote two books. Well, more than two books, but these are the main ones: Fingerprints of the Gods and. Uh, magicians of the gods and so he claims david hancock claims that there was a lost civilization uh possibly around 10,000 B- bc which was centered in antarctica which apparently was farther from the south pole than today because the south pole did not have ice then and how does he know this he knows this from an old map made by a turkish admiral called puri race which supposedly Wait, he's affects... trusting old maps. Those things are constantly no, but wrong. it's like, no, but it's like fr- from an ancient source, which could have he theorizes been from the maps of the lost civilization. Yeah, but except everything back then was wrong all the time. If you take a look at the actual map, you'll notice that uh, he claims this, is, this part is Antarctica when it is very clearly the the part of South America. So like, you, it the. It's also weird because it very clearly says in the Arabic that okay, that's the clearly like he says what, it, like a deer or a gazelle or something. It's definitely tur- not an Antarctic animal. He says in the Turk. It says in the Turkic that it's a very hot region, which he would know if he could read not. Turkic, but he can't. So, although you could be like, oh, it was because there was an ice back then, but the scientific evidence is very clear in saying there was ice. Uh, he claims there wasn't ice because there was a well, if it, it, it mainly just because of he. 
because there was like the whole thing falls because like there was a pole shift which caused the which caused Antarctica to go further towards the South Pole, which there's no evidence of that. But anyway, he claims that this lost civilization left fingerprints, as in the title, in ancient Egypt and in the Americas, and with the Olmec, Aztec, and Maya. Keep in mind that Aztec formed in the 1300s, so I don't know why, like, again, this is the sort of cavalier disregard for chronology, especially with native peoples, because you think, oh, they're all, all one monolith, there's no change in that. That is wrong! And I'll, yeah, again, Aztecs were honestly kind of late, 1300s. So he claims that sometime around the end of the last ice age, this civilization ended in cataclysm, but it passed on to its inheritors profound knowledge of things like astronomy and architecture and mathematics. And Wait, in, around the last ice age, then how did they influence the Aztecs if they started in because, the 1300s? Because they, they influenced the Mesoamericans who then went on to be the Olmec and the Maya and then later the Aztecs. Uh, he claims in his later book, Magicians of the Gods, he explains how this happened. And so he claims that there was a... He, he latches onto this very controversial hypothesis known as the Younger Dryas Impact, which claims that fragments of this large disintegrating asteroid struck uh, most of the old world around 12,800 years ago, which it, it's disputed. Very disputed, in fact. And he claims that this would have caused... And will cause widespread destruction, climate change, and sea level rise. And so, supposedly, the survivors of this catastrophe dispersed across the world to pass on the knowledge of their lost civilization. And he links this to Gobekli Tepe, the Neolithic archaeological site, and the Great Sphinx and the Pyramids, both of the latter, which he claims are way older than the accepted date of 2500 BC. He also claims that this comet was the origin of various flood myths, and... Yeah, no, that's absurd. That is absurd. You know your book is pretty bad when they describe it as ludicrous but entertaining. Oh, and obviously I don't believe in Mr. Hancock's fairy tale and risable and sure to sell from Kirkus reviews. So it's not great. Uh, Graham Hancock has carved a niche out for himself by... Uh, he, he goes on Ancient Aliens every now and then while claiming he is not an Ancient Aliens theorist, which I don't think he is. He just likes to go on there to spout stuff about lost civilizations. And then they can tie it into ancient aliens. So, but, you know, it could be worse. He could be a white supremacist. Cool. Well, you could argue. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's like, very... It's it's by proxy. It's I mean, not really when you, his fault. I mean, when you say... I mean, when you keep filling your book up with stuff like the possibility... I mean, when you keep filling your book up with weird quotes like... Uh, it... Like... Uh... In my view, therefore, rather than simply ruling out the possibility that the ancient Egyptians might have reached not only the Americas, but also Indonesia and Australia, we should be asking ourselves why and over what times when they might have made such voyages. But you have to prove that the voyages yeah, happened, though, right? you can't just prove that they're possible. And so that's the thing. It's This, in short, is a tale of wishful thinking. Pseudo-archaeologists like to have a premise, and then they work backwards from it, and it's... It's against the laws of the scientific method. And to them, plausibility is the same thing as certainty. Yeah, and I think additionally, and this is so relevant with the rise of fake news nowadays, is pseudo-archaeology has gained a lot of attraction in popular culture. Not only because Atlantis is really cool, but also because the History Channel has been promoting it as part of like ancient aliens and, and stuff. And also because if you're racist, you get to prove it, show that you are superior. And so this has fostered a, a this is part of this whole like anti-intellectual backlash, which I would argue is the reason why lots of people aren't taking the vaccine, and also they don't refuse to wear masks, and they're trying to eat, eat horse medicine in order to treat COVID. Like this is the sort of this is where 
what pseudo-archaeology contributes to? It contributes to skepticism of actual expert researchers, and also it just contributes to a sort of wishful thinking that it, it's it's just it's awful. I think I, I don't think people realize how truly damaging this is not for like critical thinking skills. And you know people. what? If you have an issue with scientific authorities, that's one thing. But to act as if like the time-tested scientific method that they are purporting to use is wrong, yeah, because then, like, I don't know. That's kind of stupid. There's nothing... How You can't... Any bias that comes in your scientific research comes after the fact, not, bef- not with the process itself. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to disprove um, established science, then you should do it with the scientific method, because it's not just a, a tool... Like, it's it's literally a process. There's no bias involved in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's it for... That's it for this week. And so, next week, we are going to be talking about... There's no drum roll. We're going to be talking about the mythical Eastern King Prester John. And so, that will be a super fun... Uh, Wacky episode. Yeah, filled with Garden of Eden, Mongols, mistaken for Christians. It's amazing. So the fun fact that about the real identity of Prester John, which you'll find out uh, next episode. We're not telling you now. Okay. uh, Yeah. So bye, all. See you next week. See you next week.